Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Welcome, welcome. Uh, The bitch is back, everybody. Yes, Brian McWilliams back in studio joining you once again. Sorry that I was absent. I was, as you probably heard, pretty damn sick. My, uh, I still got a little bit of bloody eye here. <laughs> you can see it. Those of you watching on YouTube can see the bloody eye leading. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff, man. Um, oh, welcome to episode 248, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was really laid out. I'm still sick. Uh, this is going to be a shorter episode because my uh, my voice and my lungs is still just jacked. I mean, I thought, basically, let me adjust something right at the top of the show here. First off, thank you to Rico, Dan Smots, and uh, Mark for jumping into the fray and picking up some slack that was left here. And, uh, you know, you know me, I'm not a slacker. I try to get here and deliver for you guys every week, but I just could not go. And uh, I appreciate them jumping up on short notice to be able to uh, to put that show together and entertain you folks while disparaging my good name. Let me just say, by the way, I did not say that I had COVID four times like certain imbeciles, imbecilic morons proclaimed on the last episode. No, I said that I had COVID or what I presume because I did not get tested. I just quarantined myself and uh, got over it. But I believe that I had COVID last October uh, or November, whatever it was. I went to a Browns game with Rico and uh, just got super, super sick. So that's when I said, okay, you know what? I had COVID. Didn't really get sick much for the last year. You know, my kid, they gave me little sniffles. You guys heard me. I'd have little sniffles here and there, but nothing major. And then this last time hit me and uh, just wiped me out. I mean, I could not you know, basically get through a, a sentence without coughing. And you'll see as I go here, I'm drinking my tea, but uh, I'm probably going to curtail this because as I talk more, as the vocal cords and the lungs get irritated, I'm going to uh, to get a little bit more difficult getting my point across. And, you know, I already have a difficult time getting my point across anyway. But this thing, man, I was just like coughing, coughing. <laughs> and uh, the craziest thing was, you know, you talk about my bloody eye flu here. The craziest thing was that in the middle of the night, right? I got sick like Sunday, lungs started burning. And then I'm like, that's when I was like, ah, shit, man, this might be the couve. And uh, wake up in the middle of the night on Monday night, lungs burning, coughing. And I go to the bathroom, right? And I'm like, oh man, I feel hot. You know, I got fevers, I got chills and aches. And I'm like, you know, some cool water on my face because I want to feel a little bit better and cool down this fever. And I look up in the middle of the night, you know, see myself in the mirror and that harsh bathroom light in the 2 a.m. and see that both of my eyes are pink, you know, like a freaking rabbit. And uh, just a horrible pink eye, both eyes. No, I've not been rubbing my baby's diapers on my face in some sort of facial treatment. It just is apparently a symptom of uh, a flu. 
It's 100% a symptom of COVID, which again is why I thought I had it. But uh, yeah, man, crazy. Crazy guys and girls. So I'm back nonetheless. Thanks to those guys for stepping up, as I said. Um, coming in today, you know, I there's a couple topics <laughs> I want to get into, and they're kind of all interconnected. And that's why this is a good good episode for me, because it's just going to be one topic uh, hitting up real, real front center, talking about Australia, talking about the combo of Australia and Japan and the United States and how they want to get together for a new global united force against China and how these things are all kind of interconnected coming out of COVID and looking at the the fascinating adoption of authoritarianism and then the juxtaposition of authoritarianism to oppose authoritarianism <laughs> in this new world order. So that's what the topic's going to be. But before I get into that, I want to tell you guys to please check out I Trust Capital. Now, I Trust Capital, you've probably heard about them. They are the number one 401k investing platform for Bitcoin and also for hard currency. I know myself. I uh, basically, I'm like, all right, I got some some cash lying around now. Finally, my business is doing better. So I'm going to start my own account up very, very soon because I, and I was just talking to my father about this, I want to get my hard metals investments into there. I want to get my Bitcoin investments into there. And I Trust Capital has one of the lowest rates for getting in on, on your Bitcoin exchanges, not only for Bitcoin, but for 22 other coins. And they're adding more uh, as quickly as they can to that platform. But it's going to give you that ability to save, to put these assets aside, not using that fiat currency. right? And that, of course, is incredibly important, especially what we see going on. The <laughs> attacks and assaults on all sides against your savings account. You want to get that into hard metals. You want to get that into some Bitcoin or other crypto. And I trust capital is going to allow you to do that. Not only that, they're trustworthy. They're backed up by several funds. Coinbase's fund backs them up. So you know your money's going to be safe there. You're not going to lose it. 1,300 positive reviews on I trust, or I'm sorry, on, <laughs> on I, I trust capital. is 1,300 reviews on I trust capital on a trust pilot backing them up. So this is a quality platform. You can invest in these guys and you can get one month free by using promo code LIONS. So go to the link that I'm going to provide in the show notes here and you can get that on the YouTube page. You can also get it at lionsofliberty.com forward slash episodes slash ELL248. And you can use that link, go on through, use that promo code LIONS one month free with iTrust Capital. Don't get left behind on this. Obviously, this is something important to make sure that you are going to be protected as you get old and decrepit and you start having uh, freaking bronchitis from, you know, your pink eye disease like I have. Okay, getting into the show. So where to begin, right? I mean, I guess we have to start with Australia and what's happening in Australia. We are seeing right now basically every single thing that the libertarian population has promised would be the unintended consequences play out here of COVID authoritarianism. All right, where were we? <laughs> Sorry, I think we edit there because, of course, every time I try to record this show, my gardener shows up like he's got this incredible sixth sense of when I'm recording. So I had to stop and restart it. Anyway, I was talking about authoritarianism in Australia. And what we've seen in Australia is the epitome of the dystopian future that awaits us all when we go down this path of authoritarianism, when we go down the path of allowing basic freedoms, basic human rights, basic liberties to be restricted in the name of the public good. Now, last episode before, uh, you know, before, before I was sick, 
I had made the equivalency between the state and what is good for the state being what is good for the population and vice versa, and how this concept is so absolutely dangerous, how China is a perfect example of what happens when that concept is taken to its zenith with the one-child policy, when we see how you cannot conflate the two and how we have to maintain our individualism, we have to maintain our control over what is good for us versus what is good for the nation, because you have powerful actors at play that will abuse that. When we see how insane Australia has gotten, and this is in the face of all empirical evidence to the contrary about lockdowns, about authoritarian measures taken to combat COVID, right? We look to places like Peru. We look to other places that have locked down so severely. Peru was one of the absolute worst, by the way. They locked down so severely that you could not leave your house. You could not go out. You had a shopping period, like a window of time in which you were allowed to go and shop for goods and services, something like 30 minutes a week. They locked down so hard, and yet they were one of the most hard-hit countries in the world, one of the highest death rates, one of the highest infection rates in the world. None of this does anything, none of it's any, any measure of success, and yet you have countries like Australia taking these measures on and continuing to force them on the population. Now, they would not be able to do this without some sort of tacit agreement by some sort of the population. I mean, at least 50%, you'd think, right? Now, whether or not that stat is statistically accurate is the question, because you have a portion of the population that are driven by the desire and the need to prove themselves right, right? Basically, the bad people. As I've said before, the bad people co uh, concept is basically that people that have argued that you had to lock down in the first place that you should be denied, denied the ability to go and uh, take part in your business, that you should be denied the ability to go and buy goods and services, that you should be denied the ability to travel freely. These people who have denied basic liberties by virtue of protecting the population from this epidemic, they are de facto bad people if they're wrong. So they have a built-in incentive, not only from their ego perspective, but from the perspective of having to live with themselves, look themselves in the mirror, after forcing this on, after destroying countless lives, millions of lives, millions of dollars, millions of, of people's businesses, livelihoods ruined. Not only that, but the untold impact of alcoholism, of suicide, of the impact on children in the future, etc. So that's a portion of the population. Then you've got the people that are working for the government. Then you've got the people that are working for the police departments that have been forced to, uh, well, I can't even say forced because these are bad actors that are taking horrible edicts. Like, for example, the videos we've seen in Australia of the police rushing at people congregating in violation of Australia's rules, right? Because Australia says you cannot congregate, you cannot get together with groups of friends, you cannot go to restaurants in mass. You are not allowed to do any of these things during this pandemic. And to remind everybody, they locked down when one case is present. I think it was Sydney that locked down, or maybe it was Melbourne, one of the two, locked down when one case was present. Everybody has to stay home. No more restaurants, no more business. Everybody has to lock in their houses, quarantine, lockdowns, everybody. No more freedoms for you because of one case. Now, what happened? Naturally, it's still spread because that's what always happens. But we see people go out, congregate in violations, try to live their lives like everyday citizens, like they had for hundreds of years before this happened. This once in a lifetime event, we're told that we have to lock down and change everything over. Now, how did the police react? Well, they were told by their overlords that they have to react to these people as though they're basically terrorists. And that's the way they were treated. The police rushed these people, firing their weapons at them, causing people to stampede away, thinking they, I mean, really, they don't know what's happening. You have cops racing at you, you hear gunfire. What's more likely here? Let me propose a little question. What's more likely? 
Is it more likely that one of these people dies from COVID or infects somebody else that dies from COVID? Or is it more likely that somebody gets dies or, or is injured trying to escape the police racing at them, shooting their guns at people with rubber bullets, with God knows what, gas canisters to escape? Where, which, which is more likely to cause injury? Because I'm going to go ahead and guess that a lot less people are going to get injured or die from COVID that are among that population that's out. They either have natural immunity or are already vaccinated that are congregating in public outdoors, by the way outdoors. Far less of those people are likely to have incidents from COVID that lead to either injury or death than from whatever the police department's doing. But remember, they're looking out for your greater good, right? So you have the police department racing in, beating these people to a pulp. So the police department is obviously enticed to be right, because if they're not right, how do you live with yourself? How do you look yourself in the mirror, right? You're supposed to be the public protector of good. Now, what you're doing is beating people. And we've seen mass protests in Australia and how the police have reacted to them. And you're seeing, finally, people rise up. Hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands, really. I mean, I've seen photos and videos of of these mass gatherings in Australia. And the people basically saying, we're not going to take anymore. The cops rush in and the police police are pushed back. The the crowd in mass rushes the cops to overtake them. Because that's all they can do since the police have also been the only ones that are permitted to have guns now. In Australia, you can have a rifle maybe to do some hunting, a shotgun, but your limitations on, on what you can own as far as far firearms, how many you can own, unbelievably restrictive. So you have a population that also has almost nowhere to turn as far as forcibly pushing back against these types of restrictions. Where else do we see things like this? Well, China, for instance. You also saw an instance like this in Spain when you had riots against government action there in the Basque region. What happened? Oh, that's right. The police beat the living shit out of the population. The videos coming out out of there are atrocious. You had people being beaten by the police in broad daylight in the streets, blood gushing out of their heads, sopping up into the sidewalks there. You have an unarmed population. What else are you going to do? So you've got these Australians now finally coming out in mass, though, and protesting. Now, what we're seeing, though, and this is so interesting, is the measures taken in Australia aren't just insofar as the lockdowns, as far as the police presence, but also much like another neighbor we're going to compare them to, you're also seeing lockdowns on social media and internet. Not only that, but also media access. As Australia has these mass protests, the government says, well, this isn't a good look for us. We're supposed to be this beacon, right? Even though we're way down here in our own continent, we're supposed to be an open and free society. We've always built ourselves up on that, right? We're part of the first world. We should not be seen beating our own citizens in the streets and locking them in their homes and denying them their basic liberties. So what have they done? Well, reports out of Australia are that the internet's been stifled, that it's been unbelievably slow. Now, maybe this is simply because there's so many people trying to access internet. Maybe there's so many people trying to upload content, upload video. But at the same time, you have to wonder because places like China, places like Venezuela, places like Cuba throttle the internet when they have international incidents like this. Cuba, for sure. I talked about it on the show uh, previously. They absolutely lock down the internet and deny people the access to it so that that cannot get out. Not only do they limit what's coming in, again, as China does, as Cuba does, as Venezuela does, as many of these other places do, they make agreements. And Australia, by the way, also limits what's coming in because they refuse to have certain agreements with Google insofar as republishing editorial content. So they already have their sticky fingers in some of these internet pies, as they say. But I would 100% believe that the government would stifle the ability for people to get the message out on the internet. Not only that, but the government has actually tried to clamp down on the amount of media coverage there. So they're adopting a little bit of a lesson from authoritarian regimes in that respect. 
And also, when we talk about social media, right, so many things are put on social media. This is how they go viral. This is how the truth spreads in so many ways. Well, Australia has taken a novel approach to that as well. Very similar to China's in that they have now given themselves legal permission in the name of combating misinformation about COVID, about health information. They have given themselves legal permission to go in to individual citizens' social media accounts and edit or delete or alter information that they post. This is not conspiracy theory. This is conspiracy fact. This is actual legislation in Australia that exists. The government may go in in the name of the public good, because remember, guys, what's good for the country is good for you and vice versa. In the name of the public good, they can go in and alter what you post because they can't have you sharing misinformation. Now, that misinformation might be something as simple as the fact that we know that natural immunity gives you better protection than a vaccination against COVID. Maybe it's something as simple as suggesting that going outside and getting sun and getting vitamin D and taking zinc is going to give you fantastic protection against COVID. Well, they can't have that getting out because they don't want you going outside. They don't want you congregating. Remember, in Australia, you're only allowed to go outside and work out for an hour a day. You're only allowed to go within something like 15 kilometers or less of your home. I think it's actually five kilometers from your home. So they can now go in and edit this information or the quote unquote misinformation. Now, what's fascinating about what's going on in Australia and such a life lesson in what we have to avoid, why we have to full stop say that this cannot be possible. And, you know, it's like I talk about how we have to deliver on a fantasy, right? I said the libertarian rock and roll fantasy. But when people, I say people live in a dream world, right? They live in their own fantasies. They're fed their own information. We have to also remember that, you know, fantasy involves nightmares. When we talk about Australia, we are talking about a society that was free and open for the most part. I mean, it was one of the most first world <coughs> shining beacons out there. They had commerce. They had free markets. They had trade. They had a prospering society. They had that beautiful shining city right on the lake, right on the, right, like, right in the ocean in Sydney, right? And what is it? The Sydney Opera House is right there. The big shark fin building coming out of the, uh, the landscape there. Now we look at them. And we see an authoritarian crackdown. We see a police state. This is a fantasy as well. This is the dystopian nightmare. This is the future that waits for all of us. And it probably is only made possible by virtue of the fact that the crony capitalists is, uh, is working together there, that you've got so much built into government infrastructure. Because, look, guys, government can't do this until it reaches a certain size, a certain scope, and a certain zenith. And as much as I say, I am a free market capitalist, right? I am as much of a free market capitalist as I am an anti-crony capitalist, because this is the result. This is the result of state poison, taking money out of the capitalist system and putting it into great timing. Wonderful. Thank you for interrupting the podcast. Let the dog back here. That's not a problem at all. Wonderful. Good job, wife. So I'm just going to keep going. Let the dog out. So I'm not going to start the show over for a third fucking time today. I've already done it twice. Good times. Sometimes, mm, sometimes. We can't have this type of state control without having the amount of money and infrastructure built into it. You have to have a massive police state, a massive police infrastructure, a militarized police state. Wherein the government and the military are working in tandem to allocate resources, to clamp down on the population. This is something only possible with a massive amount of tax base with a massive amount of cronyism, with a massive amount of emphasis on control. So remember that as we talk about this as well.
Now, we can juxtapose this with what's going on in Norway, right? You see Australia in full lockdown, in full right, and what literally might turn into a, a virtual civil war there. And then you look to Norway, which just recently, much to the chagrin of the international COVID cult, much recently just said, you know what? Their health minister said, it's over. And the prime minister agrees, it's over. This is, a, this is a flu bug. That is what it always has been. COVID has always been a flu bug. That's what it is as, as defined by Norway's health people. They have said, we're opening up society again. But by massive celebrations from the people of Norway, not fear, not terror. And maybe their media hasn't been poisoning them as we have here and, and internationally. They was met, uh, this, this news was met with joy. We beat it, or at least we beat it as much as possible because this is never going to go away. It is a virus. It's going to be around. Once the genie's out of the bottle, it's going to continue to mutate and continue to be ever present in society. Norway is not the only country to suggest this. The UK's epidemiologists have also suggested this is never going away. Any epidemiologist worth their salt will acknowledge as much. And no amount of vaccines or variants or flu, no amount of anything is going to solve this or make it go away. It's going to continue to mutate and continue to be here. So you have to open up. You have to restart society. You have to go out and get the fear out of the way. But that isn't the incentive process, is it? There's so much money in big pharma. There's so much money in government. There's so much emphasis on being right, on, on maintaining this control, that the stakes are so high that these people will fight tooth and nail to continue. Now, I also have to look to China, right? Because if you're not familiar with what's going on in China right now, it is, I guess, the logical conclusion of what you'd think would happen at the start of COVID. Now, I don't know for sure if COVID came out of the Wuhan labs. I can't say. I'm going to say most likely it did. It certainly seems that it did. Gain of function research paid for by the United States. And of course, Fauci was involved with that. Seems to point to the Wuhan lab being the place of this origin, right? Gain of function research got out somehow, spread like wildfire. Now, whether or not China allowed that to happen is a question. I don't have the answer to that. I'm not going to say definitively it did or not. But it certainly gave China a good excuse to make certain steps forward insofar as furthering cultural change and a new sort of not exactly Marxist revolution, but certainly steps back towards that direction. Now, Xi Jinping has just in the last about, I think it's about 30 days to 60 days, made major changes insofar as how China operates. Now, China had been pretty open, really, when you get down to nuts and bolts of it, and pretty capitalist. Now, it's still a lot of cronyism. There's still a lot of nationalism. There's still a lot of government taking control and nationalizing industries or having their fingers in pies. But you had a massive amount of billionaires pop up. Jack Ma is one of them. What happened to Jack Ma? Because he started to speak up. He started to get a little too big for his britches. Well, China locked him in a basically a re-education center for something like <coughs> four or five months. He <coughs> disappeared. <coughs> Excuse me. There's the coughs coming. He's, I think, now been released. But you see that China's been cracking down not only on Jack Ma, but on Hong Kong. Clamping down on that center of trade and freedom because that was a free beacon within the Chinese system. Now that has been totally revamped. <coughs> They've ripped out the guts of their political system, which is supposed to be left alone. That was the agreement. No longer. They're cracking down on dissidents. They're cracking down on media. Not only that, they're also cracking down on culture. They have basically made a war on celebrities in China because these people are flaunting their wealth, right? They're going against what is supposedly supposed to be the uh, the cultural norms, the important 
centrifying beliefs in China. So now the celebrities are coming under attack. You're seeing celebrities disappear or be reeducated or forcibly make statements supporting the federal government. You're also seeing a crackdown in cryptocurrency. Why? Oh, that's right, because cryptocurrency is outside of China's control. So all the central banks, all the agencies are cracking down in crypto. Basically, every single aspect of crypto is now illegal in China, which had been adopting that technology in mass, probably out of fear of the government, a way to get out, a way to have a monetary supply that is not going to be moving up and down according to the whims of China and its trade wants. That is now illegal. What else? Oh, that's right. Well, they've also cracked down on entertainment industry. They're already making changes insofar as what education uh, content is available. All private schooling has now been outlawed in China. Go figure, right? You know, people complain here uh, because they say, oh, well, our public education is under attack. Like all these, all these fucking lefties who are now, I'm going to call uh, regressives, right? Because they're left regressives. They're lazy. Their, their way of thinking is completely unoriginal. It's rehashing old failed ideologies like socialism and communism. And it is actually taking us backwards as a society because capitalism and the free market has given us everything that we need to prosper. And the left wants to rein that in. They are being regressive, thus regressive, these regressives. So the regressives are now trying to attack any sort of private institutions, right? Because that undermines our public schooling. And that's so important, right? To have everybody learn the exact same way, in the exact same shape and form, which, by the way, would undermine creativity. You want different people to have different ways of thinking, different ways of interacting in general. That's how we have different people come together and find out different creative means to problem solving rather than one rote Borg-like input. But you see what's happening with China now. There's a reason that China is getting rid of private education. And it's because they want one system, one narrative, one rule, one overarching authoritarian viewpoint on history, on culture, on truth, on facts. That is terrifying. And that's exactly what we want here, too, right? That's what that's what the, the government's trying to push through. Remember AOC, they wanted to have a commission on reason and facts because the government has to be the arbiter of truth in these matters. China is a perfect example. This is the nightmare that we're looking at, and you're seeing it come into play now. They're also changing movies. What can be put into films? That's all changing in China. You have probably heard already that they're changing the way in which people can play games. Yes, China, which had a burgeoning, massive video game market. Well, Xi Jinping said, no more of that. I think it's something like three hours a week now is the most you're allowed to play a video game in China. So if you buy a personal video game system, you're only allowed to play it three day, three hours a week. I don't know how they monitor that. Maybe it's because they're all online games. If you local land, are they going to kick your door in and put you in the re-education camp with the Uyghurs? I'm guessing yes. I mean, can you fucking imagine? You're sitting around playing StarCraft, eating ramen noodles, and some guy kicks your goddamn door in, and now you got to go to prison camp for it. I mean, this is literally the Orwellian future. Something as simple as mindless entertainment is now considered culturally verboten in China. And the, the reasoning, supposedly, from uh, Xi Jinping is he says, well, the, the culture's gotten lazy, right? These layabout children, maybe he's right in a way, but at the same time, cracking down in an authoritarian manner doesn't seem to be encouraging people to be less lazy. In fact, it probably encourages them to be more lazy because now you've taken away any, any incentive to them for creative, to be entrepreneurs. They're cogs in the machine that you run your authoritarian methods. So you're not going to have a generation of go-getters 
maybe some of them you can brainwash to to be so culturally relevant, like the old uh, God. What do they call the the young kids in China? The old Red Army youth. Can't remember. I'm blanking on it. It's pissing me off. That's the that's the fog brain from the cold. But uh, you're always going to have those brainwashed few. But for the most part. As we've seen time and time again with many societies like this, you take away incentive, you take away the reason for people to be creative and to have dreams and hopes and wishes and instead put them into this automaton mindset. It's not going to end in good things. It's not going to be inspiring to people. It's simply going to end in the collapse. And maybe that's the thing we have to hope for, even though it goes against what I would wish for for China, which is for free markets to thrive and for people to continue to rise as they have been, by the way. And that's the other thing that's scary in China to the leadership is that so many people in China have been risen out of poverty by virtue of capitalism, that now I think this is the pushback you're seeing. But I don't think, it, pull it pull circular, I don't think it's a coincidence that you're seeing this happen right after COVID. Not only because people were locked in their houses, but they had this authoritarian crackdown, right? They were able to get people used to being forced into these boxes that they had to live a certain specific, very strict way under this regime. And now they're dovetailing smoothly into the next phase. There before the grace of God go we people. Now, the other thing I want to talk about on the show today, uh, well, actually, let me take a quick minute, tell you guys, if you haven't visited it yet, you've got to go and download the Nomad Network app. I love it. Jason Stapleton, my buddy, he has launched it, is the no Nomad Network. And basically how this works is, Imagine a libertarian economy of jobs, of opportunity, of questions, of answers, of conversations, all contained within one app. And this is the Nomad Network. Now, basically, how it works is I'm on there, Mark's on there, John's on there, a bunch of other people that I know are on there. I'm in there, you know, as a public relations expert as well as a podcaster, as well as a screenwriter. Anything you want to do or tell people you do, offer a service, or maybe you're trying to hire somebody for a service, this is the place to go, as well as has educational tools. Like, for example, I will be giving a little uh, pre-seize on public relations at some point in the near future for the Nomad Network. So you can get in there. By the way, you can join for free, www.nomadnetwork.app. Let me just make sure I got that right. Yes. <laughs> Nomadnetwork.app. And make sure you put in www.nomadnetwork.app forward slash lions. WWW is very important if you want to get into the lions and get in for free. You can get in without you without doing the www, but if you want to get in with the free lions code, go to www.nomadnetwork.app. Get in there for free. Join the community. Basically, find yourself a thriving community to collaborate with, to get hired with, to hire people, or just have a good conversation with people because there's a lot of information, knowledge sharing, Q&A going back in there, a lot of advice being given and taken. So check that out. Make sure to use that forward slash lions to get in there. Um, okay. The other thing I want to talk about guys is just <laughs> tying it in. And then uh, I'm going to wrap this episode up <laughs> because I'm getting a little, a little too coffee here, but I'm just blown away right now. Looking at what's happened in Australia, looking at what's happened here in the U S you may have heard <laughs> that China is still a global power, right? And we have to be terrified of China and all the powers that be in the military industrial complex and the fear mongers and the neocons pivoting away from the war on terror. Right now that we're out of Afghanistan, the war on terror has always been a fucking joke, honestly, as a focal point for us. People that were never really a threat to us other than one instance, and that was caused by us being over there fucking with them for the last 50 years. They pivoted from the war on terror 
into fear-mongering over China, right? All of the CENTCOM focus, all of that refocusing on China as the great evil that we have to combat now as a society. And you may have heard Joe Biden talking about making a formal, uh, I don't know, kind of like a new, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, my brain's not working well. Basically, a new alliance to combat specifically China, similar to what we did with, you know, getting the countries together to fight against Russia. That's why we still have troops over in Poland. Well, we want to make a new one to combat China. And it's going to be combining with Japan and Australia. I think maybe Taiwan's wedged in there somewhere. I can't think of how funny this is, right? That we have this new coalition of countries to combat the great evil that is China and the authoritarian threat that is China when we have nothing but authoritarians here and particularly in Australia emulating their model. If anything, shouldn't they be allies now? Shouldn't we always be sitting down having a good old time thinking about ways that we can oppress our people rather than... They're talking about battling each other. I mean, the end goal for these people isn't that different. All that's different is the fact that they happen to be in different places, but they all want the same thing. They all want control, right? Joe Biden's talking about how we're going to be a global force for good again, which is the Navy's old fucking slogan, by the way. We're going to be a global force for good, combining with Australia and Japan to combat the great evil that is China. Sounds to me like China's got its own problems. I mean, I can only hope that China's going to have a revolution of its own against the new cultural revolution. I can only hope that Australia is going to have more fucking problems than China, considering the fact that they're on the brink of a civil war when you have cops racing and shooting at people in the streets and people racing back and overtaking police lines to fight back against the dystopian future that has overtaken and become the dystopian present. I just can't get over it. I just think it's hilarious. I can't. I mean, the hypocrisy, the irony. Oh, the irony of Australia and the United States combating what they perceive to be this horrible authoritarian threat, this massive demon to the East when we're living in an era of demons right now. We're living in an era of fucking blood-drenched, vaccine-touting kabuki monsters right fucking here in our own backyards. And yet, that's what we're supposed to worry about. And we got to create a brand new organization to take care of it. I don't know, man. It's crazy. It's a crazy world. Guys, I'm going to wrap up the show there. By the way, please check out The Boring Podcast, a show, which, by the way, I know a lot of you didn't like the reality stuff. We actually kind of got sick of the reality stuff. So The Boring Podcast, check it out. If you like just hearing good old shit talking, funny stories, crazy stuff, what's in that ass, the greatest game show in the world, where we uh, play 20 questions about what is actually in people's rectums in the emergency room. Uh, Am I the asshole stories, tales from the fraternity and, uh, and everything else. Check that out. The boring podcast. I do that with Rico, Howie, the Godfather of Liberty and John Odermatt. That is every Wednesday. We do it live. You can see it on our Facebook channel. You can see it on our YouTube channel. Of course you can download the podcast, the boring B O H R I N G podcast. We also have a Patreon for that. If you want extra content for, uh, am I the assholes and, uh, misconnections where we find our misconnections from, uh, Salty dogs looking for deep dicking and uh, all sorts of plumbing issues. A lot of plumbing posts in this connections, oddly enough. Check that out. Of course, you can also check out Mark's other podcast, the uh, Second Print Comics podcast, A Good Time. And, of course, you can get my daily rants. Good morning, fuckhead. I did one today about problems getting motherfucking cough syrup and uh, issues I had trying to get that from the CBS because government regulations. 
Wonderful. So anyway, good morning, fuckheads, as well as do nothing, man, degenerate gamblers, new gambling seasons going. We're talking about that. Conspiracy corners and much, much more, including live interviews, hot and fresh and way before the general population hears them. Go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty, little as five bucks a month. And of course, we're also on locals, locals.com, uh, I'm sorry, lionsofliberty.locals. And uh, you can find us there and support the show. All right, that's it. I'm going to uh, hopefully be all better next week, guys. Thank you for support. Please share the show. Tell a friend. And uh, I don't know. Make sure to kiss your mom on the lips when you see her. I don't know. Whatever. Fuck it. Goodbye. (laughs) 